Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the episode number 14 of the 1973 podcast. I'm here with the best tag team in the podcasting business, my two buddies, Tom, Ed. Guys, what's going on? We know that uh, you guys uh, got some stuff in the works. We've got big things going on. We've got a lot to talk about, playoff hockey, some other stuff. Uh, what's new this week, guys? Anything? Not much, not much. Dog days I just watching some, yeah, man, just watching some NHL playoffs, man. Great, some great games. I couldn't, I couldn't stay up and watch the other one the other night. Uh, I mean, you know, full OTs, man. That's that's a long game, you know. So it's been it's been exciting so far, you know. Just like uh, the overtime winner today too. So you know, big time stuff. Before we get uh rolling with all these different things we want to talk about, let's start with how we usually start with our first segment. Ed, Ed reads emails. Ed, what he got this week? I it's a good All right, one. Man, I get the, this one is from from me and Gene from Oakland, California. <laughs> All right, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can have a little bit more than a you know a cup, uh, you know, a cup of coffee in the big time. Okay, so here we go. Here's the question. Hey guys, uh, in your opinion, what is the greatest secondary wrestling title in history? Great show. I listen every Monday in my car on the way to work. Gene, Oakland, California. Gene, thanks a lot, brother. We really appreciate. Uh, you are listening to us, and thank thanks for the uh, insightful question. Uh, you know, I'm going to flip this one. Uh, you know, I'm going to flip this one right to Andy first because this is this is like the the biggest meatball going down. So, brother, take it away. So this is like a deep dive radio. Uh, there's a lot of ways you can look at this. There's been a lot of titles in the territories that have been like stepping stones to other things, but this is the way I'm going to present this one. There's, out of all those secondary titles, there's only two titles left standing. There's the Intercontinental title, big history on that, yep. and the U.S. title. To me, everything else goes by the wayside as much as there's some really good secondary titles. What I want to bring up is it comes down to those two, and it, it's basically split in hairs. Uh, is the Intercontinental title the biggest secondary title or the U.S. title? In my opinion... In the history of the wrestling business, I'm going to have to go the Intercontinental title just because of the amount of guys. Not, I don't want to knock that U.S. title, but I think the most important secondary title in the history of wrestling, because what's left standing is the Intercontinental title. You can go down a laundry list. I know sometimes it was passed around. Certain guys got it, and it was eh. But at one time, it was the working man's title. It was the... It was the guy that was the gatekeeper for the next level of, uh, are you ready to be a in the world title pitcher for the WWEF, WWWF? That's my pick. I'm going to go um, intercontinental title. Uh, if Prove me wrong. Tommy, what do you got? I absolutely agree with you, the IC belt. And it's lo it had lost its luster over the last, like, probably five, 10 years, but I kind of like what they're doing right now with it, with Gunther. Uh, and they're kind of building it up, making it mean more. And uh, I, I just think it's, it really, like you said, it's about, it's more of a matter of what you were more of a fan of WWE or NWA or WCW. And I totally agree. I mean, you've got like Pedro Morales, Pat Patterson. I mean, you've got the honky tonk man, even though I hated him as a wrestler. I mean, the guy, was great on the mic. He was great with everything that you want in a wrestler. Yeah, but Tommy, I, I'd have to say I see. 
But with Honky Tonk, man, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. You just said it yourself. You couldn't stand him. So yeah. his stick worked, right? Sorry, yep. man. Go ahead. No, you're right. That's that's all I got. <laughs> so right, this, well. before I add, hold that thought, because I want to get you, I want you to get a, get a good rant on this one. But, Tom, this would have been a great time for you to bust out your IC belt just for get it on camera. It would have no. been great. Just you could have just showed it up, lifted it up, and I'm not even mentioning who you. I know where your mind's going. I'm not even mentioning him <laughs> because of that. <laughs> I I would have done the same thing, but I, I'm holding off. I got one to show in in a few minutes when when we get to uh, another segment. But go ahead, Ed. Finish, finish your your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna have to say I'm gonna go with the intercontinental belt. I, I mean, it hands down. I mean, because you you look at the guys like look, even if you didn't, even if you really truly enjoyed watching WCW or NWA, you have to admit the guys that Vince put in at the Intercontinental Belt, they were great. They they could cut great promos. I mean, just look at Macho Man. You can pull like three just great promos that he cut going into WrestleMania three. You know, so I, I mean, I'm gonna have to go with that. I mean, that's not diminishing, you know, um, the U.S. title. I mean, one of my personal favorites is the world television title. I mean, you know, the man, you know, the man held it for a long time, you know. Um, so, you know, so it's kind of one of those things. I mean, it's just kind of one of those ones that you don't quite remember if you weren't quite there, you know. So, yeah. All right, Andy, yeah. kicking it back to you, brother. Uh, you know, the, just deep dive with the two belts. Well, if we're going to, you know, keep it at those two titles, you, you're forgetting like, uh, Ken Patera held that belt before, you know, pre-Hulkamania area when people started really watching. I mean, Don yeah. Morocco had it, you know, like Tom said, Pedro, um, Pat Patterson, the first one in that that mock whatever tournament that they had in Rio de Janeiro, which was total BS, but it, it sounded good on TV at the time. Uh, T Tito Santana, he, he was really over at one time. Greg Valentine, yeah, you know, uh, the, you know, Savage, um, the, the list goes on and on. Ultimate Warrior, Rick Rude. I'm doing pre-1990. I mean, we're, we're talking about all Hall of Famers, all of them, all Hall of Famers. Yes. Uh, Agreed. So, so it was, uh, you know, it was the working man's belt. And I think the guy that really, you know, carried it like a real champion was when Savage got it. He almost carried it like it was a world title. So, uh, you know, every interview he did, unlike Hogan, he was carrying it and showing it and like, you know, trying to make it, it mean something, a little bit of psychology for the fans or whatever. So, you know, as far as to answer the question in a, in a you know, roundabout kind of way, well, I can't believe all three of us are unanimous on that, but, uh, you know, I see title. So we're going to stay kind of talking wrestling and uh, there was a passing this week. And uh, this one was huge, huge, huge for me. Um, Superstar Billy Graham was my entry level into pro wrestling. Uh, probably 1977, I actually went back and talked to the Phantom and told them that I found what I thought was my initial four-year-old me watching the first episode that I can remember. And it was, uh, the story was watching cartoons Cartoons lapped over into wrestling. I had never seen it before, and uh, was a superstar Billy Graham promo. I still remember my my dad was sitting in the chair and back of me laughing, and I was just like mesmerized at the promo. And he was a bad guy at the time, and 
I was just in awe of who is this guy. And he looked like something as they would say years later, larger than life persona. And, uh, you know, hooked me right in. And my love of wrestling started from 77 on and never really, you know, there's been peaks and valleys in the watching, but that, you know, that guy was the entry level guy for me. And man, when I was small, he was huge. And, you know, I didn't know, you know, it never struck me that he was a bad guy. I mean, he was just something to watch. It was like, you know, watching something like Star Wars or an Evil Knievel jump, it was like huge. It, it was huge for me. And and on that thought, speaking of secondary titles, I busted this one out. It's the old uh, Florida heavyweight title. And what's cool about it is years ago, I got Billy Graham to sign it. And it's, it's from the Kevin Sullivan promo where they had him chained in the desert. It says, I'll break the chains that bind me. Superstar Billy Graham. So as far as titles go and secondary titles go, that that's one of them. But I just want to show off the Billy Graham thing because of uh, how much of a, a big influence that guy was into, you know, wrestling lifetime fan. And after that, it flourished. And, you know, it's, it's a big loss in, in the wrestling community because I don't think that that guy gets as much uh, – credit as he should for being a sports entertainer before it was a thing. And, you know, hit Dusty, Dusty Ventura, uh, even Hulk Hogan, you know, they all stole from him. So uh, thoughts, Ed, Tom, on uh, the superstar? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say this is, is that, man, like rolling back through some of the stuff that I found on YouTube, man, dude, that dude could cut a promo, man. Like, I mean, he, he got you, you know, take a line from, you know, got you right in your mind, you know, and, and, and like, that sounds silly, but you know, when you think about how we grew up, like, man, we, we didn't have 300 channels of shit on TV to watch. I mean, we had very limited stuff to watch and this was really, this was, you know, entertaining and like to have guys that had that charisma that kind of brought you in, you know, kind of goes back to my point when I, that about talking with Tommy about honky tonk, man, like those, those really guys back in that day, they really elicited that, like that gut feeling and that reaction. So I mean, it's it's you know, I mean, he and to counter to not counter your point, you know, you can definitely tell that Dusty and, and Hogan and Jesse the Body they took a lot of his stuff. You know, if you look back at some of Hogan's stuff, I mean, he's taken snippets from him. So you know, that's my thought, Thomas. Absolutely. I I went back and looked today, and I didn't realize how many times he had held a belt. And I mean, wasn't he held the WWF Heavyweight Championship, the NWA Heavyweight Championship, the NWA Florida Championship twice, the NWA Florida Tag Team Championship once with Ox Baker, the NWA Southern Heavyweight Champ, he was the CWA Heavyweight Champ, IWA Heavyweight Champ, he was the Brass Knuckles NWA Champ four times, and then he held the NWA World Tag Team Champs with Pat Patterson, which I ever, which I never knew. And then you think that. about it. And it's something that he's more known for to like the younger fans. I guess if they really looked into it was he was the first wrestler that really tried to unionize the wrestlers and it didn't work. And it probably cost him his career because it kind of blackballed him with McMahon for after that. And McMahon didn't want anything to do with him after that. Yeah. And uh, from talking to the Phantom, uh, a lot of the things that he remembers about his first inkling uh, for seeing Billy Graham was uh, the karate Billy Graham where he came back and he was thin and, you know, had the, 
the little run with Backlund afterwards where he smashed the belt. And uh, after he smashed the belt, that's when they created that big green belt, the one that I, I really liked that Hogan got off the Sheik, that only Backlund, the Sheik, and Hogan had. I really liked that belt. I thought it was sharp for the time. But uh, the belt before that, the one with the eagle on it, he had smashed that at ringside, and there was a storyline out of that. But that karate Billy Graham, that that's the one that's it's a little, a little tough for me that one. But I like, I like Billy Graham with the bleach blonde hair, Billy Graham and the tie dye, and then I like Billy Graham, the good guy, when he came back in the NWA and the WWF with the, the tie dye and the the goatee with the the stripe in it that Steiner stole from. Don't forget, Big Papa Pump stole a lot of the that's Billy right, Graham. Yeah. So there's been a lot of guys that have stole from him. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as when they put out the DVD about him, it was called 20 Years Too Soon. And if you think about it, the way sports entertainment was, he was 20 Years Too Soon. Because yes, he, was, he was made for being live in Technicolor. He's on your cable station. He's on your satellite station. He's on your laser beam station. All that stuff we used to say. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, he's he's you know, he's running 19 miles a day. He's swimming the Atlantic Ocean, you know? Yeah. I mean that, yep. that's I mean, that's just a great promo, man. Yeah. Like to come up with something like that and to nail it too, you know. Yeah. And it if, just flowed, you know. So that I mean, he was he was one of a kind for sure. If somebody's never really seen any of the Billy Graham stuff, the two things that I say to watch is watch any clip. When he was in the WWWF, any of the promos for, uh, you know, the shows coming to Boston, Philly, gotten any of those promos, awesome. With the Grand Wizard, fantastic. And then the program that he had with Kevin Sullivan, where they brought him back as a heel and he was in the karate gimmick. And uh, he had to go, you know, purge himself. He did the whole Jesus of Nazareth thing, tied himself in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. And when he came back, he came back as the tie-dyed Billy Graham with the goatee dyed and the whole thing and had the 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 battle with Sullivan. It was ultimately like, you know, good versus evil kind of thing. And a really good. It's on YouTube. You got to watch it in, in segments to get the whole run. But, man, good stuff. Just the whole thing where, you know, definitely an innovator. And, you know, I don't want to get too long-winded on him, but he, he is one of my favorites, probably top five in – what I I like. So, with that being said, we had also another passing this week. Uh, I mean, if we want to talk about Hall of Famous, whether these guys are Hall of Famous or not, these two guys, Billy Graham, certified Hall of Famer, and this other guy, Jim Brown, certified Hall of Famer, innovator, activist, held the Russian record for how many years until you know Walter Payton came along. Uh, Tom, Ed, you can't uh, add with some knowledge on the uh, life of Jim Brown. Ed? I, I'm going to say, you know, I mean, for a guy to retire, what was it? He played for, what, nine years yep. to, or ten uh, to get that rushing record. I mean, the tackling back in those days was very different than what the tackling is now. I mean, it was true violence back then. It was by any means necessary. That was, you know, back right after kind of like the night train lane kind of, you know, I mean, he night train lane was the first to develop that forearm shiver to the, to the head, you know, um, and to, to see what Jim Brown did and, you know, when he went, you know, and to see how he ended it, you know, he went over and he filmed the dirty dozen and said, yeah, I'm done, you know, and man, that, that took a lot of components and, 
you know, I mean, and you think about it, I mean, he was an even better lacrosse player than what he was a football player. Can you just imagine that? How dominant he, he would have been out on the lacrosse field if it was like one of the major four. I can't even imagine. And like, you know, like to say, oh, you know, like are these guys, would these guys be just as good now? Or, you know, do you think they'd kind of take a couple steps back? No, because these guys were the, the best when they were then. And then if you put them on a training table now, some weightlifting type stuff and that type of thing now with running and all the sports medicine stuff that we have now, these guys would be just as dominant or possibly even more in their careers would have been long. So that's my take. Thomas? The guy is probably, in my opinion, the top three or four running backs in the history of the league. I mean, I think he's number one. Ten seasons, and the guy, he had 126 touchdowns in his career, 120 rushing and 20 receiving. And he had over 2,499 receiving yards, so he could do both. The guy could run you over or could run by you. He just had, he was just a complete package. And then yes, he was. To retire at 30 years old and to go to Hollywood, and he succeeded there. He, he had he was 50 he had 52 acting credits to his uh, in his resume. I mean, and they were, like you said, he, he was in uh, the Dirty Dozen. He was the one I remember him in when I was a kid was Running Man. <laughs> As uh, I believe he was Icebox, I think. And uh, but I'm gonna get you sucker Mars Attacks. I mean, those are yep. movies. Used to, I used to always remember, and then Ice Station Zebra is probably the first one I remember him in. But uh, three-time league MVP, he was a Pro Bowler nine times. I mean, the guy's just a legend. It's just a big loss, and he just as, he did just as much off the field. I mean, he was such a community guy in Cleveland. I mean, it's it's a really big loss. Well, I think I think he was I think he was a, a nationwide type of a guy for what yeah. he would give back. You know, like he he really he put his money where his mouth was. Like was his. Was his home life uh, perfect? Certainly was not. Um, so you know, I mean, but you know, that's that's what that's what it was. You know, I mean, uh, but he did. He really tried to really bridge that gap. Um, you know, with blacks and whites. I mean, he he kind of saw it as is. He really tried to kind of like bring peace, and that that should be very that should be very well respected. Now, the the tie between the two guys is it seems like that they were very active in trying to make things better for the sport that they were in and, you know, what they were trying to accomplish. And it, it didn't seem to always work out as well as, uh, you know, uh, they had hoped for. Um, you know, I, I know Jim Brown was always flying the flag for uh, activism and uh, you know um, that's what I remember him most about was you know his you know take on pop culture and and uh, you know I don't know how much he was involved with the NFL union and the players but I, I know that he was big uh, with the uh, activist movement for you know black people and and uh, I remember a couple NFL commercials that they had had with him and it talking about that way back, way before diversity was even like a, a norm. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, just to tie everything together, just huge losses for uh, both, uh, if I could say both are a sport. Um, you know, it's just one of those days that, you know, it, it's it's something to talk about. It's something that I hope people that have never seen him probably get involved and in going on YouTube and, you know, doing a deep dive and checking out some of the stuff, you know, because once these legends are gone, you know, it's like 
they're gone. You'll never see them again. So with that being said, we're going to shift gears again. We're going to give over to Tom for his segment on this week for Fantasy Player of the Week. Tom, what do you got? Well, this week, hopefully I'm going to do a little better this week because last week uh, my picks weren't – I mean, Valdez, I, I had my pitcher of the week was Fran Bear Valdez. He pitched awesome today. He pitched a complete game, had 20 points uh, just today. So he was okay, but Otani did terrible in the field. I mean, he did good pitching, but a lot of leagues, like the league I'm in, you, can, you either have to have him as a pitcher or uh, you have to decide what you're going to do during – the beginning of the week if you're going to have him as a pitcher or a hitter and you can't have him as both so that was uh if he was if you had him as a pitcher he did well but this week uh i'm going with uh hold on a minute um hold on a minute i have it written oh here we go my fantasy hitter of the week is going to be ronald acuna from the atlanta braves he's Got seven games. The guy is almost hitting 400 right now on the season. He's got seven games this week versus the Dodgers and the Phillies. And the Dodgers just put two of their pitchers, their starting pitchers, on the disabled list. They're bringing up a couple rookies to pitch this week, so I think he's going to feast on them. And the Phillies hitter, uh, Phillies pitching is hit or miss. So I, I think he's going to have a big week. My pitcher of the week is going to be Luis Castillo from Seattle. He has two starts, and they're both against Oakland and Pittsburgh. And those guys can't hit their way out of a paper bag right now. So I think he could get two, two wins on the season. So um, Tom, did I see it right? Was there some kind of incident with uh, MLB where they were having somebody stand by the dugout and the umpires had to, uh, I don't know if it was like, they oh, were, sure. do, can they you were just, they, They're friends. They were just actually former teammates and they were just doing, it was actually with the Red Sox. It was Red Sox and Phillies, and I was a former Red Sox player. They were just having a standoff to see who was going to stay on the field uh, right out to be the last person to leave the field after the national anthem, and they wouldn't leave. And the umpire ended up ejecting, I believe, the guy from the Red Sox. And uh, I mean, it was nothing. I mean, it was nothing malintent. They were just being goofballs, and it was nothing major. Just ma just an example of Major League Baseball being a no fun league, I guess you'd say it. Yeah, so, so I guess all the baseball purists were throwing the uh, stones with these guys make millions of dollars and why are they acting like kids and blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah. So my rule of thumb, I know this is going to ruffle a lot of feathers. I was telling the Phantom, meet somebody and that's their favorite sport, baseball. They're, they're probably not going to be, I'm probably not going to be friends with them because it usually doesn't work <laughs> out well for me. It just doesn't. Everybody that I've known that baseball is their favorite sport, and they end up being a turkey down the line. So <laughs> draw your own conclusions. You can you can cross certain names off the list. So if it's you, you know I'm talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go, full circle. We're back to the hockey playoffs. NHL, a lot of fun. Uh, how about that uh, Matthew Kachuk, huh? Whoa, he's like, they're calling him the King Rat now. That's his new. That's his new nickname. So it's some epic stuff. They're they're up 2-0, two overtime games against the team that I had picked to win the whole thing, Carolina Hurricanes. I know it's not done, but man, it's some epic hockey to watch. I yeah, I mean, been watching the whole thing now, and it's it's like some crazy crazy moments. It's uh. And nothing against Carolina, but here they go again. Freddie Anderson plays the first game. 
Brad Brindamore says they're going to sit him because it was too much of a grind on him. Look what happens. You got to you got to roll. You got to roll. I, once you start doing the flip flopping, not a good thing. Not a good thing. And on the flip side of that, Vegas is up one nothing. So if if uh, I. If Florida can get by Carolina, I think they're going to win the whole thing. I really do. I think it, it, the way they're playing, you can't hate on them. Tom, Ed, what do you got? Ed? Uh, I, man, I'm telling you, those two overtime games, uh, Kachuk, I mean, you can't – how can you beat that guy, man? Seriously, what? There was like 12 seconds left in that fourth overtime, and he puts it in. I mean, he, 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 uh, he plays really well in the clutch, you know, and I think that it's – you know, I mean, if I remember correctly, I mean, Florida won the President's Trophy last year. They got rid of some of those finesse guys, just kind of step up, got in, kind of grinding, you know. One trade. What What's one, one trade. They made one trade. And look at – that's, that's, huh? that's like epic. Epic what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Go it's ahead. Huge. Finish your thought. No, I just, I, I just think that – I think it's, it's, just, it's just good hockey. You know, and Carolina is not, I mean, they're not playing bad, you know. I mean, they are out there competing really hard. So, I mean, any games that go into overtime, there you go. I mean, two overtime games. Thomas? Well, first of all, Matt, Matthew Kachuk's made me a believer. Uh, I got to give a shout-out to Butcher, Butchie's Overtime Challenge, John Butchergrass on Twitter. He has a contest for every overtime game in the playoffs where you can pick the guy who scores a winning goal, and if you do, you – he picks a person, he picks five people, and they win T-shirts. And I have one right here on, so I'm repping. And my pick was Matthew Kachuk. So nice. I got to nice say, nice, and I'm a believer, if you see in the background, I'm now sporting a uh, Florida Panthers John Van Beesbrook jersey up on the thing. So, But in seriousness, uh, their forecheck is just so relentless. And they wear you down and, until you make a mistake. And Bobrovsky's playing so well. They can go and force that forecheck a little harder, a little more, because the way he's standing on his head. I mean, this is he's vintage Bobrovsky right now. I mean, he's phenomenal. And then with the Vegas, Vegas is just so deep. They just wear you down. I mean, they won today, so they're now up, I believe, two games to none on uh, Dallas, and they're just they just grind on you and they wear you down. And I'm I'm happy. I actually picked them to make the finals, but I'm happy for Bruce Cassidy because I think he got a raw deal here. And that's without. Well, Without the defensive juggernaut, the the guy that I think is a selfie selkie trophy winner, Phil Kessel. <laughs> <laughs> That's without him even in the lineup. Big Phil, hey, he's up there pounding hot dogs, watching from the press box, getting paid. I mean, you know he's coming back another season. If that's going to be his contract, yeah, that's that's him in a nutshell. He can practice, he can shoot pucks, do what he wants. They throw him in the lineup, or probably get two. Who knows? <laughs> well, you, you got to respect the Panthers for, for this. For guys that are hockey purists, not like those baseball purists, but hockey purists, you got to like the teams that get after it. They're not playing a finesse game. They're playing They're playing a blue-collar, sandpaper yeah, game. Yeah, the body on somebody, man. Yeah. Get a stick in there. Let them know you're there. The whole That's day. Right. The, I heard they're driving an ambulance around out in the parking lot. Trying to make That's some awesome. Noise. Yeah. Yeah, putting bounties awesome. on people. The whole deal. They, they now, my for... question is: Now, what year? What year is the uh, the Chevy Nova that that uh, that he's driving around in outside? I forget. <laughs> it's not a Nova. It's like a Le Mans or something like that. Sorry, it's like sorry, a Pontiac sorry. Le Mans. Sorry, Pontiac yeah, it... Le Mans. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> what did that dog do anyway? Come on. Yeah. 
You saved Charlestown from the 1938 flood. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? You can bleep him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as far as the way they're playing, it's fantastic. I mean, it, that if they win the whole thing and they play that style, it opens up uh, a format. I'd rather see a team play like that and win the whole thing than play the trap like Jersey and win all kinds of cups and slow the game down. I'd rather mm-hmm. see some some hard nose, you got to deserve it to earn it type of yep. playoff hockey. Take the finesse out of it. Save that for the regular season. You know, we'll put your big boy pants on when the playoffs come and all the stiffs can go home. But Edmonton's out again. Toronto's out again. I mean, you can score 60 in the regular season, but what's it getting you? I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the thing that Florida does well is they, they're like a family. Yeah, it, the way they play, it seems like everybody is on the same page. It doesn't seem like anybody's playing up here and telling everybody they're down here. It seems like everybody's on that same level. They're all rowing the boat at the same pace. And uh, uh, thoughts about the Kachuk overtime thing where he points to the to get off the ice. What do you think about that on on enemy? I love it. I love it. And you want to know why? Look, man, it's playoff hockey at the. You shake hands when it's done. If you're gonna get, if you like, get people stirred up, get underneath their skin, man. You know, put that burr underneath the saddle and give it a good whack. You know, come on, man. Like it's playoff hockey. Like it's, it, like you said, it's put your big boy pants on time. It's like it's, it's supposed to be that inner internal puck clock. You gotta have your head up on a swivel because it's coming. So I love it. If I like it because it's gonna get somebody off their game. Somebody's gonna piss somebody off, and rather than playing their defensive assignment or something, they're going to come rushing at him, charging at him, trying to, trying to hurt him or take him out. And it's going to leave somebody, somebody's going to be open and out of, and somebody's going to be out of position. It's going to help them. So I have no problem with it. So fellas, we're winding down. Uh, we got a little bit of time left. We're going to do a usual last segment. Uh, Tom, what do you got for uh, album pick of the week? My pick of the week this week. And I've got to cover something because it's a little, I don't want to, it's got to keep this PG, you know. And Good show. The, uh, Good show. The album cover is, has some, uh, some, some, it's showing some boobs. So, <laughs> so it's Jane's Addiction, nothing shocking. Uh, awesome CD. It came out and I believe it was 1986. Or, hey, or can you move those fingers out of the way? I couldn't <laughs> see that. <laughs> it came out in 1988 got some awesome songs uh standing yeah. in the shower pigs and zen idiots rule mountain songs probably my favorite jane's addiction song jane yes. says summertime rules and uh, summertime rules i mean just phenomenal cd and and then looking into it a little bit doing a little research there's a lot of controversy behind the scenes with this it was uh perry farrell was being a jackass backstage uh, behind the scenes and he demanded 50 percent of the band's publishing royalties for r- writing the lyrics Plus, he wanted another quarter of what was left for writing the music. And that was they the band actually broke up for it only lasted for a couple of weeks before Warner Brothers stepped in. But he literally he he won. He got that. He got what he wanted. And the last the other three guys in the band only ended up with like twelve point five percent of everything uh, between the three of them. I've split. I mean, they each got twelve point five. But I mean, I didn't realize any of that stuff when I was looking into this, but I found that. Pretty interesting. Ed, thoughts? I I have to agree. Mountain Song and uh, Jane says those those are my two favorites off that album, man. You know, 
I mean, I think coming down a mountain, I think great warm-up song, you know, pre-game. You know what I mean? Like, it just with, you know, that, like, the guitar riff and that type of thing. You know, I, I really like it, man. You know, and then Jane says, it's just a cool, it's, it's just a well-written song, you know? You know, I always have to agree with the lyrics on what it's saying, but, like, it's just, you know, it's a good, it's a very well-written song, and I like it. So, you know, back on you, homie. So thoughts on that album and more of the band itself. Uh, that band's always been a mess. It's been a hot mess. They've tried to reun reunite a bunch of times. It's been on again, off again. There's been drugs. This guy can play. This guy can't play. It's just been such a mess with, with that band. They were around in that Chili Peppers uh, era where that style of music was starting to kind of gravitate a little bit. And it seems like the Chili Peppers could keep their shit together, uh, drugs and all, and they couldn't. So it it always kind of makes you wonder, like, why can a band be functional with drugs and another band can't? And is there more to it than just that? Like you were saying about the, the Perry Farrell thing, he's an odd dude. He's an odd dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've asked him to be in other bands, and he's like, he has, like, high demands. He's not Robert Plant. You know what I mean? It's not... You're not, uh, you've been in one band that if you're not into that kind of music, nobody's ever heard of you before. You know, you ask uh, some 20-something who Perry Farrell is, they'll, they'll probably think you're talking about Farrell from, uh, oh, what's his name there, uh, from Gwen Stefani's stuff there, or the, whatever. Wait, I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so, I yeah. mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lost, uh, it's a lost thing, but back to the CD, fantastic. Fantastic CD. Um, definitely, if you're going to buy one, that's the one to buy. There, there's a couple other tweeners here and there, but that that's the one. If you're going to own one, that's the one to buy. So before we leave, Tom, we're going to finish with you. Weekly shout-outs, people that we love, people that we care about, we're thinking about. Um, got a couple. I got a couple tonight. Go ahead. Go ahead. Anyway. Yeah, I got a couple. I want I want to send this one out to two of my athletes. One was Mina. She killed it today. Uh, she did an awesome job on a triathlon. Uh, so sub uh, sub eight minute mile. Um, and then uh, my boy Rag, he did great. First triathlon ever today, man. Um, big time stuff from personal. It was a personal uh, kind of vendetta for him. Um, some tragedy happened about a year ago uh, on Tuesday, and uh, to basically pick yourself up by the bootstraps and. And just put your foot one foot in front of the other and handle his business like he did today. Super proud of him. Um, and then uh, last but not least, oddball thinking about you, bro. Tom, quick one. We probably got about a minute left. Oh, I'm gonna keep it light on this one. I'm just gonna give a shout out to all the dads that jumped on the grenade and took their kids to go see Taylor Swift this weekend. You took one for the team. Uh, not that I know anyone, wink wink, but uh that that that's just a light one. I got nothing else. Oh, in the in the rain, in the rain, well, and everything. That's the brutal. person I know went on Friday, so they they actually survived the rain. But oh, no, thank you. No, 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 not no. Not my cup of tea. No, definitely not. We're we're talking about Jane's addiction, and you bring up Taylor Swift. Uh, it's just <laughs> it it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, like you smelled somebody's fat, but nobody wants to admit it. Who it was? Hey, we got we've got to expand our uh, audience. You know what? <laughs> It doesn't doesn't mean the truth doesn't hurt either. The truth is the truth. I mean, it's not lying if it's the truth. Nope. <laughs> but I will I will say I will say though that she from from all experts, 
she puts on a killer show and she loves her fans. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <kidding. laughs> there you go. That's my throwaway. What I heard, she she did over forty five songs the other night. So yeah. So we gotta so wrap this like, up. If you don't like it, you can eat a whole bag of Richards. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, we're gonna add on that note. So we'll see you next week for a big episode fifteen. It's an probably like an anniversary episode. So be ready Phantom, for a we're special. We're coming for you, brother. Special guest. <laughs> <laughs>